0: Thank God for you. Give yourselves a hand this morning. A couple of things before we actually get into the message. I appreciate our team and everything they do. So many things that happen around here that you're um, not aware of, but we had a team that worked really hard yesterday to get the LED wall in uh, working order after it was hung up. Everything worked. Uh, I think they were there working until one o'clock this morning. So, Pastor Nathan and Steve and Chris were there. Give them a hand, would you, this morning? And I also wanna give you a little warning about next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm coming after you. <laughs> we're talking about Jesus use me and I'm not really coming after you, but I do want you to know where specifically there are gaps, places that you can serve, that we need people to serve. And if you really say, Jesus, use me, then you have to be willing for Jesus to use you in some capacity. And we're going to talk about in some specific detail a little different kind of message next week. But come and you'll learn more about who we are and what we're doing and why God wants to work through your life. I'll tell you what, you'll be a much more fulfilled child of God if you're doing something for the kingdom. Amen. So come expecting next week. I believe God's going to do some great things. Well, We're on week three of Jesus Use Me. I've titled it, It's Time to Take Inventory, that we should all be praying, Jesus Use Me. The first week, we did the Ed Stilley story, that God can use him, he can use you, and if your ministry is released in the body of Christ, we'll be built up, unified, and matured. And then we talked about David. David served his generation by the will of God. So those are a couple good thoughts, but then you have to ask yourself, so where do I fit in? How do I get involved? What does God want me to do? And I think the key is looking around and trying to determine what you have to offer, what you have that will bless the kingdom. Your ministry will come out of your life experience in some way. Your ministry will come out of your life experience in some way. There's some things I know that God's not going to call me to do. And if he did call me to do, I'd have to go to school for 100 years to learn how to do it. But there are other things that I have that I can do that he wants me to use for his kingdom. Is that making sense to you? And I'm going to ask you to look in three places this morning. This is where we're going. I want you to look at what's in your hand. I want you to think about what's in your home and then I want you to ponder what's in your heart. And we're gonna explore that together because from one of those springs, God will raise something up in your life that will be used by him for the building of the kingdom. What's in your hand, what's in your home and what's in your heart. So let's think about this first one. What's in your hand? Exodus chapter four, verse two Moses has just had the burning bush experience, a bush that was on fire and was not consumed. I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here, but I I laugh when I read those people who have to find a natural answer for supernatural effects. I read an article about these bushes that had tubes open through them, and it's possible that one of those could have been over a, a natural gas deposit, and so it filtered up through there, and then there was a spark that set it on fire, and it burned on the ends of those, and I'm telling you what, it's much easier for me to believe God did it than your hocus pocus. I just believe God did it. I know I'm simple-minded, but if you talk people to have faith, People that are trying to explain away the Bible and natural means are the people that need to have faith. And you know the story, take off your shoes, the place where you stand, is holy ground. He's been on the backside of the desert, tried to do things in his own strength, and the Lord is saying to him, I've got a calling on your life. I have something I want you to do. Moses answered toward the end, and we'll walk through this, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And the Lord says to him, what is in your hand And he said a staff. So I want you to watch this progression and think about what might be in your hand. Moses, after God says, I've called you at the burning bush, tries to get out of the calling. He says, who am I? Now remember, who was he? He was raised in Pharaoh's household. He was the big shot on campus. He's the one that got in trouble killing an Egyptian and now has to work on the backside of the desert for his father-in-law. And I'm telling you what, if that won't humble you, nothing will. Backside of the desert. Who am I? How can you use me? I'm nobody. And God says, I will be with you. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who's with you. And God said, I will be with you. And then he says, well, what if they say, God sent you, what is his name? Who is this God that sent you? And and God said, tell them that I am that I am has sent you. And that will be my holy name for the nation of Israel. I am the eternally existent one, the one who has always been and always will be. I will be with you and I am that I am has sent you. Tell them that is my name. Well, what if they say, what if they say, the Lord did not appear to you. How many are glad that God's long suffering? And so God says, what's in your hand? A staff. So now we're gonna get down to business. God says to Moses, throw it down. So he threw it down and it became a snake. I don't know what your reaction would be, but how many of you are afraid of snakes? I used to catch them. Um, They're fun. I mean, around here, garter snakes, bull snakes. They're not, I mean, they're just fun to catch. Um, But I will tell you, you don't pick one up by the tail. You step on its head or right behind its head and grab it right behind its head and don't let it bite you. I was working on a golf course, And I thought I had the goofy thing pinned down in the grass and I reached to get it and it spun around and it sliced my thumb open and my boss, I went in to get a Band-Aid, he just looked at me and said, what happened? I said, a snake bit me, I was trying to catch it and he looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? If you grab it by the tail, it can come around and get you and God just says to him, pick it up by the tail. If God tells you to pick it up by the tail, it's gonna be okay. And then he says to him, when he still isn't sure, put your hand in your cloak. And he pulls it out, and it's leprous. That would get my attention. And then God says, now put it back. And he puts it back and it's whole. I don't know how much you need to have from God for you to begin to believe that he can use you, but a shepherd's staff that becomes a snake that turns back to a staff, and a hand that becomes leprous and then is made normal again. (laughs) And God says if they don't believe the first, the rod, when you throw it down, they will believe the second. If not, here's a third one, Moses. Pour out water from the Nile River, and it will turn to blood. But God, are you serious? But God, what are you talking about? But God, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. I will help you. God, please send someone else. And at that moment, I'm just telling you, the Bible says God's anger burned against Moses. So listen to me a minute. When God puts a calling on you, And begins to work on you, don't tick him off. Because there's a limit to the long suffering of God. And so God sent Aaron to go with him and then told him to take his staff so that he could perform signs with it. What's in your hand? This shepherd staff. Do you know what's gonna happen? This shepherd staff over the time of ministry in Moses' life will change in the eyes of the people from being the shepherd staff of Moses to being identified as the rod of God. That's what God can do with what you have. What's in your hand? Your occupation? What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? How would God use his staff? He'd use it to confront the soothsayers of Pharaoh's court. He would use it to turn water of Egypt into blood. He would use it to bring frogs upon the land. He would use it to bring lice upon the land. He would use it to bring an east wind that brought locusts across the land. He would cause the water of the Red Sea to stand up like a wall. He would use it to cause the bottom of that sea to dry up so they could pass. He would use it to cause the waters of the Red Sea to come back upon Pharaoh's armies. He used it to bring forth from the rock at horrible, Water to supply their needs. And he would use it to bring victory over victory to the army of God. I'm telling you that sometimes you just need to look around and say, What is in my hand? What am I doing? What am I engaged in? What what is my occupation? What is it that I have that God can use for his kingdom? Start there. What are you doing? Hallelujah. Well, I don't know what you're getting at. Some of you have a hammer in your hand. Some of you have a a baker's tool. I don't even know what to call it. You got a bowl and a mixer in your hand. <laughs> Keep your hand out of the mixer. Some of you have other things that are in your hand that you can use. What? Do you have do you know your life journey if we believe it's ordained by God has allowed you to accomplish something and gain some skills that God may have a way to use for the building of his kingdom look around at what well I know what I want to be a pilot well I can't fly a plane well I want to be a helicopter pilot I can't do that either so it makes no sense that I would say God's calling me now to fly missionaries into the into the bush area because I can't fly a plane. Look at what you do have. David had a sling. That was what, in fact, when, when the king tried to get David to put on his armor, this doesn't fit me. I can't use this. I can't be somebody else. I can't use somebody else's tools. I can't accomplish what someone else can accomplish. Well, I'd like to play keys and sing like Pastor Nathan. I'll tell you, for me, it's not gonna happen. And for most of you, it's not gonna happen either. You don't have a keyboard in your hand. Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up, or he's gonna stay on this point until we do. (laughs) What's in your hand? Tabitha had a needle. And she was loved by the people because she sewed garments and gave them to people in need. Well, that's not spiritual. Sure it is. Maybe you have a knitting hook or a crochet hook and you can use it for the kingdom's sake. A little boy had a lunch and 5,000 were fed. What's in your hand? What do you have to work with? What do you have a hold of? What's in your hand? And ask God, is this something you can use? Second, what's in your home? What's in your home? There was a woman who was the wife of a man from the school or company of the the sons of the prophets. And she's in terrible need. Her husband has died and she has no means of recourse. And she cries out to Elisha the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 4, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to 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 her, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. What do you have in your house? (laughs) Your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil. How can I help you? What do I have? Now, Now watch. Here's the problem we get into when we bring our, our lives to a place where we want God to use us. She lied. She lied. I don't have anything God can use. Well, in my most anointed voice, I would say liar. Don't tell me you don't have anything in your house God can use. I don't have anything except a little bit of oil. Now watch this, here's the problem with the mindset. She saw what little she had as something that had no value and was a poverty mindset that God couldn't do anything with it. What God saw, what Elisha saw, was the beginning of a miracle. When you look at what you have in your house, what do you see? Well, I don't have anything I can use. There's nothing in my house, nothing I can do. Oh, yes, there is. You just need to change how you see it. You need to stop saying you don't have anything to offer. You don't have anything to give. There's nothing you can invest and understand that you will not be blessed until you become a giver, until you start giving into the kingdom, until you do something with what little bit you have. What do you have? I have a little bit of oil that's all you've got, I serve a big, big God who can do a lot with a little bit of oil in the house if you'll let him use it. A little bit of oil isn't the same as having nothing. So he says, get all the jars you can get from all of your friends. So you know what she did? First, she went to her connect group. and asked for their jars. And then she went to the people in first service, and then she went to the people in second service, and she went to the people in the chapel, and she got all the jars that she could find. You know, the only limitation that she had to the blessing of God were the number of people she was in relationship with. The more she was in relationship with, she got jars from everybody. Can you imagine? What are you gonna do with these jars? I don't know, the prophet said to get some. Maybe we're having a garage sale. I'm gonna sell your jar and I'm gonna keep the money and do something, I don't know what we're gonna do with these. Maybe we're gonna break them all up and do mosaics. I don't know, we're just gonna collect a bunch of jars and people gave jars. And what happened? She began to pour. (laughs) And that little bit of oil filled a jar. And that little bit of oil filled another jar. And then that little bit of oil. Whoo! Anybody hearing me right now? Somebody ought to get a little bit of glory in their soul. I'm telling you, then it filled another jar and another jar. And at what point do you think she saw that a little bit of oil in the hand of God could be a supernatural supply? And it kept flowing until it came to the last jar. And when it came to the last jar, then the oil stopped. The provision of God was only limited by her ability to receive. That's all it was limited by. God has something, what's in your house? I know that Grandma Sharon has an oven in her house. And what does she do with that? I'm telling you what. She blesses missions. She blesses people. She has blessed the lead pastor. She's blessed a lot of lives. What do you have in your house Do you have a little piggy bank that maybe God wants you to help in missions overseas somewhere? What do you have in your accounts? Well, I don't have much, Pastor. I'm not asking how much you have. I'm asking what do you have in your house that you could use for God's kingdom? And believe me, I'm not saying that you have to sell everything and give it away, but maybe there is something you have in your house that you're using that you think your life depends on that if you gave it to God. He would do something brand new. I read a little further, and I read about the widow of Zarephath. She's even in worse shape. It's when um, the prophet Elijah is being fed by ravens. Now, isn't that, I mean, just think about that. There's a drought on the land because you prophesied it at the will of God, And God has you by a brook and ravens are bringing... Do you know what kind of food ravens carry? It's not carry out. It's throw out. Their their beaks have been in places you don't want to know about. They're scavengers. But he didn't chafe at the provision of God. And I don't know what they're bringing him. I'm sure it wasn't... I'm sure it wasn't brisket. But they're bringing him enough, and then that runs out, and they quit coming. And you know what God says? You know sometimes some of us need to be humbled a little bit for God to be able to use us. He said, I want you to go to a widow in Zarephath, and she'll take care of you. I mean, how low do we have to go here? This is a widow with almost no resources. They, they're not known to have a lot. But you know what? God is sending, watch, sending Elijah to the widow at Zarephath so that she will serve the prophet and God will save her life. Do you know how many people's lives have been saved when they started to serve? When they found a reason to be, something to do? I've commanded a widow in that place to take care of you. So I went to Zarephath and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called out, and bring me a piece of bread. I want some water and a piece of bread. Listen, this is sad. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die wow (laughs) I make appeals for money all the time for missions for what God wants us to do (laughs) in the board we had a discussion about some improvements we need to make here and we only lack a million (laughs) dollars well how come how come I don't have anything? I'm on a fixed income. I'm, I, I'm, I just have enough bread. I'm going home after the service and I'm going to eat my last piece of bread and we're just going to lay there till we die. How many know that person needs God? That person needs the hand of God in their life. And so Elijah says to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have, bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So let's think about that for a minute. Wouldn't it have been easy for her to respond if God had given her supernatural supply first? Wouldn't it? Oh, go home and you're gonna find more flour and water and everything you need than you imagined, it's all there. But he had, because she saw what she had as her total supply. What she needed to see was that she had a God who was her total supplier. We say he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the gold under them hills. And then we worry and we worry and we worry. What did Jesus say? Not a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't know. The very hairs of your head are numbered. The lilies don't clothe themselves. He takes care of all of that and he will take care of you. If you'll put your trust in him, we need to get a mindset that our sustenance isn't based on what we have, but on based on the one that we serve. And if we put our confidence in the one that we serve, then we should be willing to give what little bit we have because there's a promise that he will supply. Come on, is anybody hearing me this morning? <clears throat> I'm gonna eat it and die. No, you're gonna give it and live. In fact, maybe there is a story there I hadn't thought of. That is your choice. That really is your choice. I didn't write this down, but that really is your choice. You can consume your resources and die, or you can give them and live. God will supply, he will take care of you. What could be used in your house to bless the kingdom of God? Family, household resources, well, I just, I don't, I don't have anything. I just have a little house. I have a little place. I don't have very much. There is something where you live that could be used to bless the lives of others. <laughs> I, I'm gonna pick on connect groups because we need more leaders. And people say, well, I don't know. My home's not big enough. Well, then fill it up. Fill it up and divide that into two groups. You've got something in your home. My wife has a gift of hospitality. She'll give away my supper to anyone who comes at the door. So if you come at my door at supper time, I am not gonna let you in. (laughs) I've watched it. We had teenagers come into our house. We had enough for her and I, and she divided it up and God did not multiply it. (laughs) I'm not happy on a quarter hamburger, I'm just telling you. You have something in your house that you can give. What's in your hand? What are you doing? What's in your house? What do you have? What do you have that you can use to build the kingdom? God has given you something that you can do something with. What's in your hand? What's in your home? God, what here could you use? And then last, what's in your heart? What are you passionate about? When, um, illustrate it this way, what's in your heart? <laughs> when Carol and I first went into ministry, youth pastors in Cedar Rapids, and we would do whatever someone asked to do. We got called to do a couple of what were called then kids crusades. I don't know what you call them now. Uh, it's probably got some fancy name, a, uh, uh, you know, an elementary primary outreach revival for children or something. I don't know. We call them kids crusades. And I went with her and she could, she could hold the crowd. She could tell them stories. I'm just telling you, she can teach a class with um, flannel graph and hold their attention better than a number can with a video wall because it's in the heart of the teacher. Now I went along to help and I got to do, Magic tricks. Only I didn't do magic tricks, I did illusions. Because I do have a line there that magic is something else altogether, but I would do illusions. And I would say to them, If you knew what I knew, you could do what I do, but I'm going to trick you. So see if you can pay attention. And then we would walk through the whole thing and tell the story. And um, it became really clear after a little while I love kids and I want them to go to heaven but they're probably not gonna to go to heaven if I keep teaching them. <laughs> Anybody hearing me? I mean, I'm, I'm passionate for kids. It's just not where my gifting or passion is. It's not what is in my heart. What is in your heart? What are you passionate about? And then let God shape your passion so it becomes purified and used in the right way. Do you know what David wanted to do? David, King David, wanted to build a house for God. And he came to Nathan and he said, look, I want to build God a house. I'm living in this, in this beautiful place and God has nowhere to dwell and I want to build him a house. And Nathan said, it's a great idea, do it. And then God said, Cool your jets. That's the pilcher translation. He said, Stop. David, who told you that I needed a house? (laughs) Who told you to build me a house? You can't build a house that will contain me. You can't build a house where I will dwell. What makes you think that I need you to build me a house? Here's what's gonna happen, David. I'm gonna build you a house. (laughs) And the house of David will rule over Israel perpetually. I'm gonna build you a house. You're not gonna build me a house. I'm gonna build you a house. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves when we're looking at what we wanna do for the kingdom, this may shock you, but God really doesn't have to have you in order to get his job done. Pastor Booth has told me when when I worked for him and before and after many, many times, how many have heard the five-gallon bucket test? When you think that you you have to be there, that things can't go on without you, take a five-gallon bucket, fill it with water, and stick your fist in all the way to the bottom, and then pull it out and see how big a hole you leave. However, you know it won't leave a hole. Now, the water level may go down, but you won't leave a hole because God's not dependent on you. When we think that God needs us to get His job done, our passion needs discipling. Anything that's done for the kingdom will be because He does it, not because you do it. Come on, it'll be what He does. But there was something there that was important. There was something there that God was gonna build on. But his passion had to be shifted. It had to be purified. And time comes around where God honors David for wanting to build. God a house, but David had to understand it wasn't a place for God to dwell. It would be a place for people on the earth to come and worship the God who can't be contained in the heavens. There's a reason to build it, but we've got to get your focus right, David. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, 1 Kings 8, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. Solomon is speaking here. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, because it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well to have this in your heart. So pause there. What was in his heart wasn't wrong. It was the ownership he was taking of it. Nevertheless, you're not the one to build this temple, but your son who is your own flesh and blood is the one who will build the temple in my name. David is honored for what was in his heart. And God retools his focus. And then tells David that he can't build the temple because of his bloody hands and the war and the life that he lived. You're not gonna be the one to build it, but your passion, now hear me carefully, your passion will be fulfilled in the next generation. So what did David do? He said, fine, let them do it. I'm not gonna help. If I can't do it, I'm not gonna invest, not at all. He brought materials together knowing that his son Solomon would be the temp, builder of the temple that he dreamed of and he didn't sit back and pout because he couldn't do it. He let his passion drive him in such a way that his passion became foundational to the building of the temple that would carry the name of God. Sometimes your passion isn't for today but it's to build a pathway for tomorrow. I believe the biggest churches, the best churches, the most powerful churches that have ever been built have not been built yet. I believe the greatest revival that we could ever experience has not been experienced yet. Do you know, I want to talk to the young adults and teens if there are, however many of you are in the room. I know that a younger generation <sighs> likes to chuckle as some of the things we used to sing. But I have good news for you. The stuff you're singing now, your grandkids are going to make fun of. Just count on it, so be careful. (laughs) What I'm saying to you is it keeps changing because culture keeps changing. How many are hearing what I'm saying? And David said, that's fine. It's in my heart. It's my passion. I'm going to chase that. I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And if I can't build it, I'm going to get ready for the next generation. Isn't that what all of us should be engaged in? Trying to prep the next generation to step up into their role and do what God's called them to do. And it starts with, where's the passion in your heart? What is it that gets you up in the morning? What stirs your soul? That's what God wants to use. Let God refine it, and then let God use it. So what does the Lord want to do with your life? He wants to do something. Hello? Somebody help me right now. I said, how many know God wants to use your your life? Let's think for a moment. I want you to take inventory. Pastor Nathan, if you'd come. I mean, seriously, I want you to think about I'm going to pause for a moment. Hopefully make it a little uncomfortable. What how could God just imagine how could God use what your hand is doing for his kingdom? How I don't know. It's not my job to tell you that, but you're doing something that could be used by God for the kingdom? What are your skills? What's your vocation? What's your occupation? What are you doing? Can you think of something that perhaps God wants to use, like he used Moses and turn it into the tool of God rather than just the tool of your trade? How many are hearing me this morning? Come on. What's in your hand? Then look around your house. What's in your house? <laughs> What's in your house? What do you have in your resources that you've been holding on to so that you don't die that God may want released so that you can live? What do you have in your house? And what are you passionate about? What makes you get up in the morning. What is it that excites you? What is it that stirs you? And maybe your passion needs to have an awakening in the presence of God. What would you like to see more than any other thing? What is it that you would like to see come to pass? What does he put in your heart? Jesus use me, what's in your hand? Jesus use me, what's in your home? Jesus, use me. What's in your heart? So I want to stand together before we sing. I want us to stand. Stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. And I want you to to catalog that. I want you to take inventory. I want this to be more than a discussion. I want it to be a moment of decision that God is speaking to me about something in my hand, something in my home, something in my heart that I can do for the kingdom. God could use that with no one looking around, just privately. When you think of something, I'm not saying you have to give it or do it today, but if you can at least think of an example of something in your life you could use that you would give to him and say, God, do with this what you will. Would you just lift your hand? If you can think of something, just lift your hand. I'm going to wait and let you think. Come on, there's more of you. And second then, how many of you would be willing to say, Jesus, show me. Jesus, show me. Hold your hands up. Jesus, show me. Jesus, show me. Could we take this moment and just give that to him and say, Jesus, use me oh Lord don't refuse me surely there's a work that I can do even though it's humble help my will to crumble though the cost be great I'll work for you what is it you want me to do and just give that to him right now just give that to him just give that to him
1: i lead me into your core saturate me breathe upon
0: Jesus, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that we would follow you and obey you, that your kingdom be built. In Jesus' name, speak to us, I pray. Amen, 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 amen. Sometimes... God's going to ask you to give something that will cost you. But if you hold on to it, it will kill you. And I was standing there at the back, and I, I don't know why I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't know why. But we sold a house that Berean Church owned to help with Garden Gate Ranch and we talked about that and I was riding my motorcycle it just felt like God spoke to me clearly they need a house and you have one what's the problem but do you know once we sold it we not only gave them the house we gave up our right to the income off that house and that goes on forever forever You can't evaluate your gift by what you might lose. You can only evaluate it by what you will gain in eternity. What is he asking from you? That'll cost me too much. I can't do that. Oh, Oh, it's in that moment that the supernatural is released. Would you be willing to let the supernatural be released in you? and see what God will do, amen, amen. What's in your hand? What's in your home? What's in your heart that God is asking, not because he needs it, but because you need to give it, that will change your life. you love him, let me hear your hands this morning. What a great God we serve. Amen, God bless you. Greet someone, encourage them, be a blessing to someone this morning.